The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Kraftchik. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything, from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters, so we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is, things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in, so feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATEABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash dateable. That is armoire.style spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. Meet like-minded people who share your interests over brunch. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Datable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. And dating in San Francisco is never easy, but when you have someone like Michael Vargas navigating it for you, it's just so much simpler, isn't it? And the even gooder news is that what makes it so fun and playful is 
with the wonderful woman UA to lead you across the way. Did you just say you gooder? Gooder. More gooder. Okay. All right. On each episode, we dissect a dating story. And today, I believe we have our friend Robert. Robert, are you there? Yes. Hello. Robert, you were recommended to us by several people. What is your dating story for us today? Yeah, I think I'll start with the most juicy one, um, <gasps> as, uh, as I probably should. So it, uh, it all started with the lovely app called Tinder, we may have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> and Tinder, um, from what I um, very quickly found out, is, is a hookup app. And I, I went into it with pure intentions, but uh, got bored pretty quickly. So what that led to was um, then getting a bit intoxicated one night and trying a social experiment. And that social experiment was basically copying and pasting the same text into a lot of matches, conversations, because as you know, once you match, you can then converse with people. Um, so I decided... You know, why don't I just see what happens when I send, you know, these 20 girls that I wouldn't normally uh, engage with, um, you know, a message that says, hey, you want to hang out tonight? <laughs> 20 girls? Yeah. That's a good number. That's, a, that's statistically significant. Yeah. So I had matched with all these girls. I just got bored. I deleted the app, and I got drunk one night. I decided to re-download it. And, you know, I had all these matches waiting there for me. So I figured, what the heck, social experiment. Let's just see how many of these chicks actually say yes to a want to hang out tonight. You know, see if Tinder lives up to its, uh, to its expectations, its, its notoriety. Um, so sure enough, I got some responses, some good, some bad. And um, among those uh, that were good, one girl actually seemed like a, uh, a, a potential suitor. And, you know, she came from a good background. It was good for me. Um, she apparently was a successful, you know, startup executive and um, seemed attractive. So I decided, um, you know, this girl said yes to this, you know, blatant invitation of mine. So, you know, may as well go out on a date, see what happens. Um, and so we, we, we meet up um, in San Francisco at a bar and, uh, you know, she, she walks up. To me so confidently and she says so did you order that whiskey like I wanted and we had been texting a little bit back and forth after my blatant invitation and you know she liked whiskey and so I said oh I haven't um, what would you like and she told me you know this Glen Fittich 23 year I don't know something I'm not into whiskey but <laughs> it was expensive and so point being is you know she was she was pretty uh, pretty confident and, you know, usually on first dates, um, there's kind of this error, a little bit of politeness and awkwardness and social precepts I think most people follow. She didn't follow any of that. You know, so we're having a couple drinks, sharing a couple laughs, and, you know, I've gone on over 100 dates, and I feel I find myself pretty comfortable on a first date, but this girl was just on a whole new level of comfort and, you know, to the extent of seeing quite type A and, and pretty cocky and, uh, you know, telling me about her house that she owned in Vegas and, you know, how she's a director of customer service at this startup that's just amazing and, you know, just totally tooting her own horn. And I'm like, okay, whatever, that's cool. Um, you seem smart and interesting and good looking, so fine. Um, so the moment that caught me off guard and where this story starts to get interesting 
is when she suddenly says, hey, Robert, um, you know, you seem a little nicer than I thought you'd be. <laughs> wow. Is that a compliment? Okay. Really caught me off guard. And so the, so, so I said, well, what, what do you mean by that? She said, well, when you first messaged me on Tinder, you just basically asked me out. You just said, hey, you want to hang out? And so I took it to be that you were kind of a dick. And, uh, you know, you seemed really nice, like you're a nice guy in our conversation now that we met up. And I said, okay, well, that's cool. I mean, I, I'm still not really sure what you mean. She said, well, we're going to hook up tonight, right? Wow. Just letting you know. Just letting you know. And I, I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, you did not say that. I'm so surprised, Robert. <laughs> so it gets more interesting and because, you know, a couple, you know, I, I took a couple breaths, you know, I, I let it sink in. And, and then I was like, I got I to gotta tell you, you know, it just doesn't happen this way. <laughs> for me, usually I'm the aggressor. That's just kind of the, the way courtship, I feel, works, no matter how quick or, or strung out it might be over one or multiple dates. You know, I, I, I feel caught off guard. And she's like, if you don't want to hook up with me, you don't have to. <laughs> no pressure. And I said, check, please. <laughs> so, um, so we go back to my place. Uh, what was funny is... Uh, you know, since the expectation was pretty clear at this point, you know, I, I still wanted to be smooth. And I said, well, should I put on a movie maybe, um, you know, instead of just going tongue straight in, so to speak. Um, so she says, yeah, in fact, I've actually never Netflixed and chilled. Why don't we do that? Oh, you got you popped her Netflix and chilled cherry. I, I felt so great. It was awesome. I felt like I finally was on top again. So um, so basically, you know, things one thing led to another. We we chilled, and did you Netflix though? <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's to be assumed. Okay, um, but uh, you know, for a little bit at least, it, enough. And then um, you know, it was great. So so here's really where the kicker comes. I, I sort of brought it up. I said, this, this night is a bit peculiar to me, and I hope you see where I'm coming from. You know, is there, is there a reason that, you know, maybe is this something you do often, or you just seem to, like, have, have this, like, a well-oiled machine. Like, you just seem very unemotional, and it's just peculiar to me. Um, and she said, well... I didn't tell this to the last few guys I hooked up with on here, but uh, and so I'm slowly bracing myself for like this imminent terrible news, like I have a disease or something now. But sure enough, um, no disease. She she simply said, "I'm engaged," and the reason I choose to live this lifestyle despite being engaged is I've been with this guy since high school. She's 27, and she's like, I have been with this guy since high school, and we got engaged recently. As soon as we got engaged, he basically said, I feel like I need to go have sex with other women. I just don't feel right about things right now. 
And here they've built this life together. They've bought houses in Vegas and the Bay Area. And he just up and says, I want to have sex with other women. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go have sex with other guys then. And so she got on Tinder, and sure enough, I happened to be one of those uh, lucky victims. What was funny is uh, after the date, uh, a couple days after, I didn't hear from her, and I went back to my little Tinder message history, and, you know, just to see if, you know, she was there or maybe messaged me, she was gone. She There's, like, this unmatching option on Tinder where you can completely disappear or, like, block somebody, and she totally disappeared. She did not want to have anything to do with me. She did a drive-by Netflix and chill. <laughs> exactly. So, wait, I got, I got a question for you, Robert. Um... Were they working on getting back together at that point, or what? I think that it was still in the beginning throes of the, the downward spiral. Mm. So I think it was, um, it was too hard to tell at that point for her. How did this end? Did you spend the night? You know, I actually got her to uh, spend the night. Oh, right, because you're at your place. Right, does she spend the night? She was at my place. She spent the night. She actually asked me after we chilled. Um, <laughs> she said, should I leave right now? Or would you like me to stay over? I said, well, you know, I actually would like to cuddle a little bit. Is that cool with you? Because I like to cuddle. I'm a cuddly dude. She's like, all right, we'll cuddle. You so sensitive and all that bullshit. All that bullshit. Anyway, so uh, we cuddled. And uh, it was cool. And she stayed over till like 4 a.m. And she's like, all right, I'm out. Call me an Uber. Oh, she didn't stay until sunrise. Not even till sunrise. Wow. How did this make you feel? It was, it was a bit of a role reversal um, in terms of, you know, that classic, oh, I feel so used physically, you know, like I'm just a piece of meat. Um, I actually did feel this kind of vacuum of like, like you've probably seen movies or kind of heard that classic story of the girl who's just like takes the role of man and the man just wants to chase after her because of it. Cause she's like this unique unicorn that just is, you know, a man's woman that just like wants to hook up. And there's kind of this vacuum because like, she's just like this sexual being and you know, the man thinks it's like this mystical, amazing thing. But, uh, you know, I kind of felt that a little bit, but then I was like, okay, she's engaged. She clearly doesn't want to see me again. Um, you know, why would I spend time chasing her? She totally is just out to have fun, and she's acting totally cocky and is not trying to make an emotional connection whatsoever. So, you know, as much as it would be fun to chase her and try and hook up again and have some crazy exciting sex, eh, no thanks. But I could see other guys trying to do that. And I think that's probably why she unmatched me is probably the previous, at least one of the previous three guys that she hooked up with on Tinder, apparently. I'm sure at least one of them was like, oh my gosh, you're so mysterious. You like have sex with me and then you leave. And Oh my God, I want more of this feeling. So When this happened in, in the early stages, we've actually talked about <clears throat> this idea on the show before of women kind of taking control and, and being the initiator and all this stuff and she wasn't the first initiator, but she kind of initiated the, the whole night. Was that, did you feel more attracted to that, or was it more convenient? Well, to be perfectly frank with you, I was actually turned off 
for a bit. And it was actually hard to get an erection at first with sex with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was beautiful to me. Um, She she just had a great body and was very sexually confident. So once we started engaging physically, I began to get turned on. But if anything, it was more of like, wow, this is very different. I'm intrigued by it. I'm actually not turned on. and I, I did feel a bit emasculated, and I think those are two very intertwined things. You know, yeah, that you bring up a good point and, and are getting at something interesting is kind of that role reversal. It threw me off quite a bit, and it, it did throw me off a bit sexually. Why did you feel emasculated by this? Well, I think the number one reason was um, <clears throat> I'm used to this certain sort of courtship uh, sequence, right? So, like, there's there's talking, and there's, like, getting to know somebody, and then there's, like going in for a kiss or kind of t- starting to touch somebody. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, for the other 99% of my dating interactions or, or romantic interactions, like I'm the one that's doing that. Like I'm being confident, the, the, whereas the woman is kind of batting her eyes away or kind of like being the one receiving, uh, at least at first, you know, um, especially on the first date. So, you know, for, for a woman to suddenly, you know, take these, um, you know, so-called masculine roles of courtship, the courtship sequence, mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was kind of like um, just trying to recite the alphabet backward to me. Huh. So I think that's what threw me off and it emasculated me because I just didn't know what to do. I guess I've built up these habits and, you know, there's these societal and kind of programmings of like, hey, this is what the guy does, and that this is what the girl does. But she was just like, this is what I want. You're in my reality now. And, oh. and so I kind of had to submit in a way. You know, I think a lot of men would have been quite off-put by it or maybe even put up a fight and try to sort of reverse the polarity back. But I was just like, this is interesting. So by her kind of driving the situation and stealing your roles in a way, you kind of felt like you didn't earn it, right? Like you didn't work for it. Oh, that's another interesting point. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is another part of the chase that's alluring. And, um, you know, I, uh, I definitely, definitely could see that that was another piece as well. There's definitely less meaning. And, you know, I'm at the age too, where I've had ample experience with hookups and, I think I've reached that point where I get enjoyment out of getting to know somebody and then approaching the sexuality from a point of, you know, we have this, this bond and, you know, that is an additional turn on. And I was sort of trying to establish that with her as well and sort of prolonging the bar interaction, actually. I found myself doing that, you know, kind of that romantic piece of like, let's get to know each other, you know, let's not necessarily be friends, but let's at least like kind of know each other and sniff each other out. And she was here. She was just like, we're going to hook up. I'm leaving if we're not. (laughs) Well, first it was fetch me my whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's actually kind of a masculine opener. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. and, And that drink is quite masculine as well. So, you know, she, she could just be that way. Um, or it could just be a behavior she's developed uh, as a result of the, you know, the, the situation with her fiancé. 
one of the things I was you were talking about that I wanted to kind of dive a little bit more into was you said at, at the beginning it doesn't feel um, uh, a part of the I guess the system for her to lead. And so it kind of almost hinted at: Is there a point where you want her to lead a little bit more, or for that shift to happen, like later down the road in a relationship? Yeah, I think I think that at first, I, I I really do think that in heterosexual and homosexual relationships, that the the polarity must be different. There's uh, there's this book you guys might have heard of called The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Yep, absolutely. He talks about sexual polarity, and if masculine somebody thinks uh, feminine. masculine, feminine, yeah, the yin and the yang, you know, it's a timeless kind of factor. And I think, you know, I've I've met straight men who are powerful executives, but when they come home, they want to be you know, let it home, they want to just totally shut off, and they want to be submissive, right? And the woman might even be just a stay-at-home woman, um, but she kind of dominates at home. You know, she just dominates, and he wants to shut off. Um, so, but the bottom line is they both have different polarities. So that might switch at different parts in the relationship, too. That's where role play comes in, in, in sexuality, you know, you know, you're, you know, some people take it pretty far with strap-on dildos and <laughs> their man in the ass. <laughs> you know, or, I had or a couple of friends that were butt. very much about that, actually. <laughs> um, I think we should save that for another. Oh, remind me, UA, to to call up that person as a guest. <laughs> okay, we're gonna save that for another episode. I'm excited for that one. We might have to extend that one to like an hour. Robert, this is mind-boggling to me because. What you described is something that is like a fantasy for most men. You send out 20 messages, 20 of the same message on Tinder to all these women. You get someone to bite. They come home with you. There's no hoopla. They're like, I just want to hook up. And then they leave before the sun rises. And then they unmatch you so you never have to talk to them again. I mean... On paper, you just described the perfect scenario for most Tinder users. So it's mind-boggling to me that this is leaving you with a little bit of emptiness. I think it, there's a couple factors at play here, you know, in terms of my feelings. Um, <laughs> so I, I've gone on hundreds of dates. I've been told no thousands of times on the street, at clubs, at bars, through friends online dating you know I'm also in sales and there's this this funny thing that I always tell people whether I'm managing them or or if it's managing myself and and to get a yes you've got to stand on a mountain of nose mm. and you know I, I pride myself I I think I I do pretty well with women I feel pretty confident I've worked pretty hard on myself um, to know what I want and I think this is just a numbers game. It's just, you know, I sent out some messages, I got on Tinder, and this just happened to be, you know, one of those times statistically. Now, actually, I do have something, an interesting statistic that came about when I did another social experiment. Mm -hmm. um, so this one won't, I don't know how much time we have, but, you know, this will just take a second to talk about. So I matched with 40 women. I messaged 20 of those with the uh, 
social test number one, which was, hey, want to hang out? So, you know, we already talked about those stats. Now, the second social experiment I did on the next set of 20 that I matched with was, hey, are you opposed to hooking up, winky face? So I now I got even more blatant. I said, "Do you want? Would you hook up with me?" You know, wasn't even. Do you want to hang out? It was. You want to hook up, but I did it in a very strategic way. Now I'll repeat. I said, "Are you opposed to hooking up?" <laughs> so so they didn't have to get pigeonholed in a corner and say, you know, yes or no. It was more of like a double negative, like, oh well, you know, not opposed to it. So. So here's what happened. Here are the results. You're going to – actually, I'm just going to say it. So you guys probably have a number in your head of how many girls actually said yes. Wait, let me write it down first. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> I, I wrote it down. Oh, I'm showing cool. it to our producer, Julie. Perfect. All right. So out of those 20, 10 said yes. Damn. That's double my guess. 10. 50% of women. You know what's interesting? We had another episode from a woman's perspective about a guy that sexted her, like, or pretty much said similar types of messaging. And we all questioned, like, this has to work on someone for guys to think that this is okay. And I guess we found those someone. It must be a product of the app, right? It's because Tinder is known as a hookup app. So maybe, you know, there are yeah, more women who are willing. I mean, I've gotten those messages on Tinder and I just ignore them. I think that was a little different here was uh, specifically what Robert was saying about the wording, right? There's one like, hey, do you want to hook up versus would you be opposed to? There's, it's a, it's almost, for me, it feels softer, uh, yep. more approachable way to put it. And, you know, winky face is always nice. Wait, when you say 10 women agreed, what did you what did they say back? Because when you do a double negative, I get confused on the answer. That's a great question. So, it wasn't they they didn't all just say, you know, blatantly yes. It wasn't like a simple black and white answer. Um the ones that I counted as yes said things such as well, it, it actually ranged. One of them was like, "Fuck yeah, I'll hook up." And then one of them was like <laughs> Yeah, she she had some pretty party like pictures on her profile, um, but uh, you know it ranged from that all the way to in the right situation I would hook up. So the magic of the wording is if you ask straight out, "Do you want to hook up?" That's immediate. But if you ask, "Would you be opposed to hooking up?" Winky face. That's like. Would you be opposed to hooking up in the near future, in the next 10 years or so? So it's like, yeah, sure, I'd be open to it eventually. Oh, totally. And, and I think that's part of um, women's psychology, actually, is, you know, they, I think they, most women, at least the ones I've encountered, they want to feel an emotional connection before they, you know, allow themselves to become physically intimate with somebody. And I think they also don't want to have to give a direct answer um, to something that, you know, uh, committed. Like, so, so I think being cute, adding the winky face, um, you know, being indirect, it definitely um, takes the pressure off. Um, but at the same time, your benefit now as a man is that they, they've now basically said yes. I think uh, once you have that first date, you're going to have uh, more of a benefit going into it. That winky face is clutch. Super important. Well, I think the sum is greater than the pieces. I think it's the, the winky face plus the 
the indirect negative, um, you know, saying, are you opposed? And another girl, I actually asked a, a good girlfriend of mine about this, what she thought, and she's like, well, you know, what I'd be thinking is if I like the guy, like if he looks cute and he has a charming profile, like I might be just be saying yes because I want to change him. Wow. Huh. That's a pretty convoluted answer. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a nice project to work on. Robert, I'm trying to think of what I would say if someone, you know, sent that to me on Tinder. And I probably wouldn't unmatch them right away. I probably would say something like, I'm not that type of girl. I got a couple of those. <laughs> and what did you say back to them? Or did you just not write anything back? Oh, I, I just unmatched them. They were, they were <laughs> done. If you did this all over again, this, this scenario you just told us with your Tinder girl, is there anything you would have done differently? Uh, probably not drank as much that night. Cause <laughs> over. <laughs> um, being honest, as a matter of fact, um, I mean, I literally could have gone into that thing sober and still hooked up with her. I mean, I think you, a, you were, you were looking for maybe a more psychological answer. I think going into it, being a little more open-minded, I probably would have had a little more fun. I think, I think the biggest mistake I made as a novice dater was always being focused on this outcome. And I found that the more I'm focused on the moment and just kind of taking it all in and going from, from that place, as cliche as that sounds, um, I think it makes for a better date and a better dating life. So, um, you know, I think I was focused with this situation. I was focused on this outcome that was actually not hooking up. And then suddenly she's like forcing this different outcome that she wanted, which is very unexpected. And so I was like grappling with that. And I think as I was, as my brain was grappling with that, my dick was, you know, trying to say, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> Hold up. I'm not Hold ready up. for this. <laughs> is that how your dick sounds? You sound like an old man? <laughs> your dick sounds exactly really attractive. Like you know, you must have been practicing in one of your improv sessions. <laughs> I think now we should. Uh, I think now is a great time to to do some takeaways. Um, Yue, do you have any takeaways? Uh, I would say some of my takeaways are. Um, I love Robert what you said about being open-minded because especially with Tinder, you never know what you're gonna get yourself into. So I guess being open-minded and being like, I'm just gonna go with the flow and. My, my intentions are to have a good time and get to know someone different. Um, my second takeaway is I think for, um, again, it's setting your intentions and when you're using certain apps like Tinder and when you message back and forth, be very clear about what your intentions are. So again, we've talked about this before. I actually appreciate the DTF text because it's like very intentional. Okay, I'm, I'm very clear on what you want. Some of the uh, takeaways I have, kind of want to build off of what you said, Yue, about, um, and also what you said, Robert, about being in the moment. Uh, and kind of bringing up my improv background, one of the things that we focus on, improv is a very relationship-oriented experience because there's literally nothing else there but the other person. So you have to be very connected and very present and in the moment with the person and when you start going more about the process rather than the goal you get to create something that the that you two have and I think that's a great methodology or mindset to go for dating when you're gonna go date someone don't worry about getting into their pants 
be there in the moment with them. Create that moment. You'll never have that again. And to focus on that, to just be really present and create it together. I think that's a great takeaway. And also another takeaway is people try, try different stuff. One of the things Robert did was he's like, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And he not only did he great, get a great story from it, but he also got a great experience and a better understanding of things and, and of who he is and what's important to him. So I want all you listeners out there is to to try some different things. Be open to the to trying something that you've never done before and do something different and see what happens. You know what, Michael? You just um, inspired me to do something. Robert, you inspired me to do something as well. Um, I'm going to message 20 guys tonight. <laughs> I'm going to use yeah. that same line yeah. on Tinder and I will report back in our next episode. What's the line again? Would you be opposed to hooking up winky face? You got it. Okay. I'm going to do it. Gonna, I, I have a prediction of the amount of please God, Jesus. Yes. You're going to get. Wait, but I got to know about my sample because did you message all the women that you wanted to match with or did you just swipe right for everyone and match and message all of them? Oh yeah. It was a shotgun approach. I wasn't even looking. I was just like, just to see what happens. One, one important clarification UA is, is make sure you, make sure you say, are you opposed to hooking up? Not would you, because oh. would you is a little too strong, I think. So be be a little more coy. I predict 100% of the people will say yes. Julie's yeah. predicting 100%. <laughs> I predict 100%. I think I think there's going to be one grad student guy with thick hipster glasses who's going to be like, now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to get any no's, but I may get a few unmatches. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. You're not gonna. You're gonna be a little late by the time you hear this. I can imagine like some guys are already like searching for you on Tinder. Sorry, guys. It's already too late. This is so exciting. Oh, this is so exciting. Okay, let's go on to our question of the day, which actually relates to Robert's story, the second half of your story. So we have a girl named Michelle who asked, "I've been with the same person since I was in high school." And I feel like some people think I need to go through a slutty phase first, sow my wild oats. Um, do you think that's something necessary in having a healthy relationship? You know, I, it's funny that you say that because lately I've been around uh, a lot of married couples. And I'm talking about people who married 30, 40, 50 years, um, seeming very happy. And a lot of them are like high school sweethearts and have never really had anything else. Uh, I don't think that would work for me by any means, but it just it keeps seeming like that's that's like a, a constant story is they're high school sweethearts and there hasn't been anyone else or, you know, barely anyone else. And they seem pretty happy overall. Yeah, I feel like back in the day before dating apps, there weren't that many options presented to you. So yeah. you just kind of stick with one person. You're like, that's pretty good. And by the time the apps came out and all the options were presented, you're both like old and ugly that you're like, well, I can't get anybody else. <laughs> but I think in this day and age, we, we we're presented with so many options that those curiosities do come up. And if they don't come up early in a relationship, they will come up eventually. And probably when you're married with kids. So... I personally believe people should date around before they settle with someone. Now, date around or sex around? Can you date around without sexing around? Is that possible yeah. these days? 
I, I, I would think so. People would like to just go and meet people, but I'm guessing you mean sex around. Yeah, I would say you should sleep with lots of people. 110% agree. <laughs> <laughs> sleep, sex, date, do it all. Experiment. Get to know yourself. Get to know what you like. It's going to just add value and richness to the, the when, when you finally want to settle down for a relationship and you know, you're going to know the meaning um, from a firsthand perspective of, you know, the the enjoyment of going deeper with somebody. And you can't really do that until you experience the emptiness of just hooking up or just going on dates and not having a future to it. And gosh, for years, you know, I'm in my 30s now and I'm only starting to like see that enjoyment. And, you know, I'm I'm a pretty social guy and I love women. But, uh, you know, I think I'm just finally starting to scratch that surface of, like, okay, I deeply get the meaning of, like, actually striking up a meaningful relationship with with somebody, a significant other, and, uh, you know, pursuing that. So you just can't do that until you get out there. Slut it up a little bit. Let me just throw out one more little piece of evidence from my side of the old way. Uh, so there's been studies done about uh, arranged marriages mm. in other countries, and the uh, for the arranged marriages, you know, they often don't know the person at all. The family brings them together, you know, matchmakers kind of bring them together, or family members bring them together. And one of the things that they that has been consistent is that it's not that they marry each other and then fall in love. It's that they they um, I'm sorry, fall in love and marry each other, what they do is they marry each other and then learn to love each other. And it's been shown that they have uh, happier marriages in general in those situations. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the answer, but there's something to be said about that, I think. Absolutely. I do believe people in arranged marriages make an effort to stay together and learn to love each other. I do believe in that. The only reason why that wouldn't work in our society is because it's not part of our system. We're just not conditioned to think that way and to work that way. We live in a society where we want to believe we chose our partner. That was our choice. We chased after them. We worked for that. So if someone else is dictating that choice for us, we're not going to love that person as much. So you're saying that we need to start a movement of nothing but arranged marriages. That sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's wrap this up. Don't forget, listeners at home, you can submit your stories. And remember, we can always keep you anonymous. We want to protect your identity and the people involved in your story. Last but not least, we want to thank Robert for being on the show. Thank you, Robert. My pleasure, guys. had a lot of fun. Michael, what's our last line? Stay dateable. dateable. The Dateable Podcast is recorded in San Francisco. We would like to thank our sponsor, 500 Brunches, for making this happen. To connect with us, visit dateablepodcast.com. 